Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Hallelujah. He is my righteousness, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father in authority and in rest, and he has accomplished provisions that you and I need for the demands of life. God has grace available for each of us today. If you want to turn your attention to Colossians chapter 4, Colossians chapter 4, I want to read passage of scripture beginning in verse 2. If you didn't receive a sermon card and would like one, this is the time to raise your hand. You'll be served. Just a little heads up. Uh, I know some of you, you're so uh, digital uh, and, and so advanced in technology. And so in a month or so, we're going to be transitioning where your access to all of the sermon cards, upcoming events will be digital. So uh, begin to make preparations for that. But in the time being, enjoy the printout. And uh, there in Colossians chapter 4, beginning in verse 2, the text says, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving, meanwhile praying also for us, that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest, notice that, as I ought to speak, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. I want to preach a message today titled, Doors of Opportunity. Doors of Opportunity. Let me pray. Father, I thank you that Jesus is the foundation and the head of this church. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you to move, to reveal Jesus to hearts and to minds. We thank you that the blood of Jesus has made provisions to break every curse, to pull down every stronghold of deception. Lord, to loose and let the captives free. We ask that hearts and minds would be revived, that there would be, Lord, a a conscious awareness that the kingdom of God is at hand. I yield to you, Holy Spirit. Have your way, make much of Jesus, and we'll give him all the glory. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Uncertainty. Uncertainty. The state of being uncertain. Many feel, believe, or communicate that we live in uncertain times, that we live in a state of uncertainty. However, I find myself, I find personally that I'm being more and more certain and convinced about certain things. And personally, that has me intrigued, that 
so many are speaking and, and saying and acknowledging that we live in a state of uncertainty and yet I'm feeling more and more certain about certain things. For I'm more assured today of what God has given and called us to than ever before. That much of it has not been reactionary, but has been prophetically prompted by the Spirit of God. For instance, from the divine design for discipleship to local churches building with balance, to the plurality of pastors, to the strategy of gathering and growing and grouping, expressing giving and gifting teams as going, to the multiplication of relational-based, holistic Discipleship local churches. I'm more certain about that today than ever before. Now I suppose if I spend our time today talking about the things I'm less certain about today than 20 years ago, more people might tune in. But I contribute that to a very negative thing. That as fallen humans, we love things that encourage us to remain passive. We, we love to listen and, and hear things that encourage us to stay dysfunctional. We, we love at times complexity to be created so we feel justified to do nothing nor be confronted about our need to grow or to change. But can I just say that biblical leadership is about calling us higher? That following Jesus is about a higher calling by the way? Hello? That Jesus said we got a high calling. It's not a low calling. It's not an average calling. It's a high calling. But I have regressed. Let me get back on topic today. I'm certain about what we looked at last time that I preached in the message in your world regarding the good news. That something has happened in Christ. That He has been crucified. That He died. That He was buried, but he rose again. That something has had happened, the finished work of Jesus Christ. And something will happen, his return. That he's coming back. That he, just like he was faithful to all he said on the days of earth, his promise is faithful, he will return. And yet, in between, something powerful and mysterious is happening in the lives of all those who follow him, like N.T. Wright so wisely said. And yet, as we report, and as we share this good news, the facts matter. The facts of his death, burial, and resurrection matter. But did you know there's a goal regarding those facts? The goal is to understand the main point of those facts. What's the main point of the good news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection? That the main goal is we have an understanding of what those facts actually imply for you and I. How they should affect us. That He is Lord and I am not, therefore I should surrender. <laughs> that He is King and you're not, therefore we should surrender to his lordship. I'm certain there is no adequate foundation for life now or for eternity following than that which is already laid, Jesus Christ. I'm certain that upon that foundation 
there is needed a framework for all followers of Jesus Christ. And that framework is simply communicated as ages, stages, and phases. I'm certain of the primary methods that God has designed to bring His children to maturity. The ministry of the Word of God. The myro factor. You have a role to play. Your willingness to yield, to grow, to be confronted. A modeling community and mentoring. I'm certain that God the Father and God the Son has sent the Holy Spirit primarily to convince and to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. Of sin because people do not surrender to the Son's Lordship. Of righteousness because Jesus is seated and He has made your right standing with the Father available through your trust in Him. Of judgment because the devil and his kingdom has been defeated regardless of what it looks like or regardless of his threats or his intimidation or his lies or objections to your mind. I'm certain that God has helped us by communicating in a simpler way his complexity. I don't know if you're aware but complexity paralyzes us as humans. Our minds get overwhelmed by it, thus resulting in inaction. For instance, the mere complexity of available options on one aisle at the grocery store is enough to cause a delay in you picking the right box of cereal or the right cut of meat at the deli or the right vegetable. That Complexity, even in the simple things of life, the complexity of options paralyzes us. It hinders us in moving forward. It, it leads us so often to inaction because our mind feels overwhelmed with the complexity of choices and options. And I don't have time today, nor is it the purpose today to address how we now know through research this directly affects a person's perception of their personal happiness. Complexity, that is. Feeling overwhelmed. But foundation simplifies. A foundation simplifies. A framework simplifies. Primary methods of God simplifies. Because listen, we must, through prioritization, be rescued from the negative effects of complexity paralysis. And may none of us fool ourselves today. We are forced to prioritize. There is a many, many, many options of things calling for the attention, calling for your consciousness, calling for your focus. And we are forced to prioritize of what matters most, of what will be our focus. Now there's only one foundation that has God's seal of approval for us, the person of Jesus Christ. He is that sure foundation and He is the foundation that unites all followers of Jesus Christ. There are three major periods of time that every follower of Jesus experiences before we enter into eternity. The time before having received the foundation. The time on earth after receiving Christ who is that foundation. And the age to come 
when Christ returns and visibly reigns over the nations of the world for a thousand years before we enter into eternity. And now as we wait for the king to return, God has designed to lead every one of his children through the stages of spiritual growth and the phases of being built after the pattern of Jesus Christ, the blueprint, that there is a framework for following Jesus the king. That all things in the life of a person who has the foundation of Jesus Christ can be a catalyst in the hand of God to move them towards maturing into the full standard of Christ. That we can live with a prophetic vision, a sustaining vision for all seasons of life. That there is a telescope vision, there is a vision that can keep our eyes and attention on the end goal of why we have been apprehended and called by God. That this certain vision, this prophetic vision, it doesn't change regardless of our age. It doesn't change regardless of the seasons of our life. It doesn't change regardless of the circumstances we're facing, nor the challenges or the changing culture around us. That it is a consistent vision of being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Notice Paul in Colossians 4 and verse 2, our main passage, when he begins to conclude his letter to the church there. In Colossae, he, he says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak, walk in wisdom, towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Notice Paul says, continue earnestly in prayer. Can I remind us today that biblical prayer matters? That biblical prayer still matters regardless of what's taking place, regardless of what you are facing, that prayer is a weapon for the follower of Jesus, that God has given prayer to us as a weapon. And prayer is not only a weapon, but prayer is a privilege. you got to understand that not every person on the earth has access to the throne of grace, that as followers of Jesus Christ, the ability to talk to God and to know that His ears are attuned to the cries and the, the prayers of the righteous is a privilege that I don't have to do life alone. I have access to God. I have access to His divine ability. I have access to His resources. I have access to the best counselor you could ever imagine. I have access to the best creator you could ever imagine. I have access to the one who has all that I could ever need for life and godliness. Prayer is still a privilege. May the Holy Spirit anoint you today to pray again. May you be anointed and empowered to continue earnestly in prayer again. See, biblical prayer matters because biblical prayer affects things. Prayer can affect what your hands can't touch. Prayer can affect what your hands can't change. 
Prayer can still affect hearts. Prayer can still affect perceptions. Prayer can still affect the past and the choices that people make. Prayer matters because prayer affects eternity. Paul said, continue earnestly in prayer. Then he said, be vigilant with thanksgiving. Can I tell you today and remind you today that thanksgiving still matters? That thanksgiving affects still our perception? That thanksgiving affects the posture of our heart and our attitude? And the posture of our heart and attitude determines our experience? See, you thought that circumstances and people determine your experience, but that's a lie. It's time for us to grow up as the people of God. What determines your experience is your perception and your ability to respond to circumstances and what happens. That's why you can have two people that experience the same circumstance, but they don't have the same experience. In fact, Jesus, when he returns, he said there'll be two people at the well, but they won't have the same experience, same circumstance but a different posture, a different perception, a different expectation. My God, we need a different expectation. We need the expectation of God's Spirit. We need expectation that prayer still matters, that thanksgiving still matters, that, that our posture of our heart and attitude still matters. Let me tell you what else matters. Paul says, walk in wisdom. Wisdom still matters for followers of Jesus because wisdom affects our choices and our walk. Wisdom matters because it still affects our life. And then he says, redeem the time. Time matters because time affects eternity. He said, redeem the time. Attach your time to God's purpose, so it affects eternity. Your life, that scripture says, is like a vapor. But if you attach it to eternity, oh, it can affect eternity greatly. Then he says, have your speech always seasoned with grace. Can I remind us today that our speech still matters? Because the good news is still shared through our speech. As Pastor Craig reminded us during the offering that statistically people will still respond to an invite to come and to consider the claims of Christ, to come and to look and to experience the gathering of followers of Jesus. Did you still know that word of mouth is greater than marketing of the internet and social media? That speech still matters because the good news still is translated and, and, and still is moving into hearts through our speech. That our speech affects eternity. So not just our prayers affect eternity and not just our wisdom and our time, but our speech. But I want to focus in on verse 3 and verse 4 of our text. Notice he said, meanwhile praying also for us, that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Notice the phrase, that God 
with open doors. And then he says that I may make it manifest as I ought. That's a contrast. It sounds like a difference to me. God opening a door versus I making something manifest. Very interesting. In one text, you see both. That God would open a door, and then Paul says that I might make it manifest as I ought. That reminds me of the vision of dwelling place that God's called us to, of manifesting Christ in many ways to many people. Let me talk for a moment about opening doors. Notice Paul says that I have a conviction, I have reached a place that I have a confidence and I have an expectation that I can make the mystery of Christ manifested. That I can make opportunities become visible. That I can go out and where it doesn't look like God is working, I can make the fact that He's working manifested. What is this? This is the reality that apostles and prophets and evangelists may by God's grace be able to open up doors and to make opportunities manifest. That Paul had a grace, had an enablement, an empowerment by God's Spirit that enabled him to go out and to make gospel opportunities manifest. That where it didn't look like that the gospel had an open door, Paul was able by God's empowerment to make it manifest. He was to make unseen opportunities become visible. This is his expectation that I may make it manifest. Not hope that it will make it manifest. Not maybe it will manifest. Paul had a certainty that if I go out and engage people, if I go out and talk to people, if I go in a new city, I can make opportunities to share the gospel manifest. I can make doors of opportunity become visible. Apostles, prophets, and evangelists by God's divine enablement can open up doors, making hidden opportunities become visible and seen. In fact, mature followers of Jesus can grow to understand as well how to make unseen opportunities to share Christ become visible, to become manifested, to become seen. The point is this. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, and mature followers of Jesus can by the working of the Holy Spirit make closed doors become open doors for sharing the gospel of Christ. When you think about this, you need to think about keys. Jesus, when he talked to his twelve, who were all apostles, by the way, that, that he discipled them, and, and they were called to be sent out ones. In discipling and equipping them, he grew them to a place where he said, I've given you the keys of the kingdom. What was he saying? He's saying, you have an enablement, you have been prepared you now have a grace that you can go to a place and where others don't see opportunity, you have a key to unlock what seems to be closed. That through keys, you can make things open that seemingly don't look to be open. And this is what apostles, prophets, evangelists, and mature followers of Jesus Christ can do. 
they can go into people who look close to the gospel but they understand how to use the keys of the kingdom and make an opportunity to share the gospel become manifest and visible. They know how to go into a workplace that seems absolutely close to the gospel and use keys to unlock what seems to be closed doors and unlock them to become open doors to sharing the mystery of Christ and His provision. The issue is, is we are not all apostles, prophets, or evangelists, nor can we be, according to 1 Corinthians 12. Paul said, are all apostles, are all prophets? And it's a rhetorical question. No. Why? Because 1 Corinthians 12, God has set the members in the body as He sovereignly wills. God has created members to function as He sovereignly pleases. So you're thinking, well, if that doesn't apply to me, then what about the rest of us? Well, good question. Let's speak to that. Notice that in our text, it's not just the expectation that Paul says that I might make it manifest, but he also in this text says that God would open doors. See, there's one thing about opening doors. There's another thing about open doors. See, opening doors means it looks like they're closed, but you use an ability to do what seems to be impossible. But an open door is an opportunity that's already available. It's already been open for you. You just need to step through it. You just need to seize and to see that the door's been opened. And Paul in this text says that there are those that can open doors but there's also through the prayer of believers where God opens doors for us. See, open doors refers to those opportunities that God opens. He opens doors of opportunity that present themselves to you through the course of your normal scheduled day, through the course of your normal scheduled week that just appear before you as you go throughout your job, or your task each day as you have conversations with co-workers and, and friends and family members and you have encounters with people around you. They're just doors that appear open right before you. God uses our prayers and He uses our thanksgiving. He uses our wisdom. He uses our time and our speech in opening up such doors of opportunity. When you think about those that can open doors that are closed think keys, keys of the kingdom. But when you think about open doors, you need to think about the ability to see. Now these ain't ordinary sunglasses. These are dwelling place sunglasses. Dwelling place sunglasses and enable you to see what others might miss. That you're living with an awareness and a perception that as you go through life, you're living on mission. You're, you're going through your day at the workplace prayerfully, watching, listening. For what? For God to open a door. And, and when you think about this perception and you think about dwelling place sunglasses, all you need is the ability to see and to perceive when God opens a door. You don't need the ability to make the door open like an apostle, prophet, or mature follower of Jesus can do. You just need the ability to see 
when God opens, opens a door in the conversation you're having. At your job, in the encounter with that friend or that person. That open doors look like this. As I go throughout my day, I am prayerfully alert, listening to others as I interact with them, looking to see when God has opened a door to share God's truth and love. Opening doors look like this. I'm going out today to make manifest a door of opportunity to share the gospel of Christ. And there's several of us in this community that can do that. Or it looks like this. I'm going to work today and I'm going to make manifest a door of opportunity to share the gospel with my coworker today. So opening doors looks like you go out there and you make it manifest. But open doors looks like as I go throughout my day, I'm prayerfully alert, listening to others as I interact with them, looking to see when God opens a door of opportunity to share God's truth with them. Here's my main premise today that I want to present to you. Seeing open doors will always outnumber creating open doors in the long run. I'll say it again. Seeing open doors will always outnumber creating open doors in the long run. That if you get a group of followers of Jesus Christ, if you get a community of followers here at Dwelling Place Woodstock who are able to see open doors, the opportunities to share the gospel will always be more when you get a group of people who are able to see open doors than just depend on people who can go out and make doors open. Listen, when you think about it as a community of how the word of the Lord can sound forth through us, that if you get people and followers of Jesus who are just able to see and become aware when God opens doors, listen, we will share the gospel more as a community than just depending on those who can go out and open doors and make opportunities manifest. What does that mean? It means you have great value of seeing the gospel of Jesus communicated as you live on mission, as we live a staycation type of life. What do I mean by outdo? I mean the number of opportunities of where the gospel of Jesus Christ is shared in the community around us. That a group of followers of Jesus Christ who are able to see open doors will always outdo those who go out and create open doors in the long run. Now let's talk about then how we see when God opens a door. How we all grow our ability to see when God opens a door. And in growing your ability to see when God opens a door, you need to understand the issue of patterns. Of patterns. Now, psychology studies and seeks to understand patterns. And within this, within psychology, researchers know that our minds are designed to seek out patterns in life 
and around us so that we can adapt our lives accordingly to them. Resulting in a sense of relief and normalcy of belief about such issues in life. Listen, we all need mentally a certain degree of predictability or our minds do not function well. And we can experience negative effects from minor ones to even very severe. So patterns become in play when we talk about growing to see when God opens a door. Why? Because we all arrive at these patterns, these mental ways of how we view and expect the world to work. We have perceptions, and these perceptions are patterns that we have come to adhere to or believe in of how certain issues in life operate. Now, because our minds seek out patterns so that we can adjust our life accordingly, we also know our minds, therefore, are able to be incredibly aware of any change that breaks the patterns we have come to believe or, or expect. So for instance, when you think about seeking out and finding patterns in life, think about when you do a seek and find crossword puzzle. That you don't realize your ability to seek out in all these letters and find words is because through your experience of life, you have come to understand that certain looking figures are a letter. And if you put enough letters together, they become a word. And so now, every time your brain sees that pattern, it knows to interpret that that's a word. And yet, when it sees letters that are not in a pattern, your brain just skips over them. So understand, when you do a crossword puzzle, you're seeking out, and it's showing you that you have an ability, your mind, to seek out and find Patterns that have been established or you believe to be true throughout life or that you have been taught. But what about when the patterns we've come to believe or to expect are broken? Our mind also has an ability to sense and to see and be aware of changes that break our patterns of expectation or belief. For instance, growing up, when I was growing up, we had Where's Waldo? I don't know the equivalent today because I hadn't seen it in my kids, but I had Where's Waldo books. And Waldo was always dressed the same way. He had red and white stripes. And the goal was is they would put Waldo on different pages of the book in different places, and you had to locate him. And the reason... You could get good at locating him as he always broke the natural pattern of the scenery. The, the red and white stripes didn't go there. Whether it was a picture of, of nature or whether it was a picture of the circus or whether it was a picture of sports. Waldo, he broke the natural pattern of what that picture was to look like. And your mind would become aware of the natural pattern you would expect in that picture of the book. And you'd be able to say, there he is, there's Waldo, I found him. Think about this, if uh, some of you are, some of you are not, but this is what hunters, their mind begins to understand is that 
when you're staring in the woods up in a tree looking for your chosen animal of choice <laughs> that your mind becomes aware of any sudden changes because your mind's able to set the pattern of what it's supposed to look like and any sudden changes to the pattern of what you look at, your mind becomes aware of it. And this ties, listen, this ties directly into seeing when God has opened a door of opportunity. The Spirit of God is working to break natural patterns. That's why we have a word that's called supernatural. Listen, the working of God's Spirit seeks to break the normal natural patterns that we've come to expect in life. It's not that the Holy Spirit doesn't get involved in natural things of life, but we call it supernatural. That, that God is working in the natural of life. But it's supernatural because the natural patterns that we've come to expect and believe in are broken. The Holy Spirit seeks to do this in the lives of everybody on the earth. Why? Because we also have a vulnerability when it comes to patterns. That once patterns get established, we're vulnerable to going to an extreme and no longer being aware or evaluate the patterns we have come to believe in or operate in. That's why some of you, when you come to the end of your shower, can't remember if you washed your hair or not at times. Why is that? Because listen, your mind already knows the pattern of what's to take place while you're in the shower. So it uses the pattern to relax, to save its mental energy, because you only got limited mental energy for the day, and therefore you're not as aware and conscious of what's happening in the moment. The mind just sort of relaxes. Well, it's the same thing. And this is sort of how the enemy lulls people into constant sleep. 1 John 5 says the whole world lies in the sway of the evil one and he's just getting people to be formed in these patterns of how they expect life and reality and things to go. But then he lulls them into sleep to watch this, to never evaluate whether the pattern they've come to believe and or expect is true. Is that the only way to live? Is that the only way to expect life to turn out? Is that the only choice available for you? But listen, patterns also, patterns of concrete reality provide common language and understanding for communication to be built upon. Let me give you an example. Concrete patterns of reality that we all accept provide the perfect opportunity for God to open doors for the gospel. What are some of these? Think about life and death. Regardless of language, regardless of color of skin, regardless of numerous other variables in our experience, life and death is common to every person on the planet. It is a foundational pattern to all of our existence. And therefore, such concrete patterns of reality that we all accept as humans provide the perfect opportunity for God to open doors for the gospel to be shared. This is why Solomon said, listen, it's better to go to the house of mourning, to a funeral, 
than to go to the house of feasting or to a party. Because that is the end of all men. And the living will take it to heart. What's it saying? It's saying only when our normal pattern of life is broken and we have to face the reality of the pattern of death will we take it to heart. That's why it says, Solomon said, it's better to come hear me preach than to go to a concert. I know it's hard for you, some, some of you to believe, especially as you listen to me and you think about some of your favorite musicians, but that's what Solomon said. Solomon said, it's better to go hear a preacher than to go hear your favorite musician or music be played. Why? To break and to confront possible patterns that you've come to accept and to rely upon that has locked you into a certain expectation or perception of life that is not God's best, God's reality for you. So listen, followers of Jesus are able to spot God open a door more readily when they intently listen to people they interact with who have just had their patterns of reality broken. The pattern of how they think about relationships. The pattern about how they think their career would go. The pattern about how they think they should be happy. The pattern about how they think the country should go. That any time patterns of how people think, perceive, view, and experience the world is broken, listen, that's God opening a door for you as a follower of Jesus to share God's truth and love with them. The Holy Spirit seeks to break natural patterns and the Spirit of God opens a door when natural patterns are broken in a life of a person you're connected to. Listen, and what's the premise? That as followers of Jesus, when we learn to see open doors, we as a community will share the gospel more numerically than just depending on those who can go out and make closed doors open. Seeing open doors is a matter of observing and listening when patterns of so-called reality in a person's life are broken. So how do you see? You learn to prayerfully be attentive as you go throughout your normal routine and day and week to when in conversations and encounters with people they express that something, whether they call it a pattern or not, of how they expected life to turn out, how they expected things to go, how they expected the world to work is broken. And when that happens, listen, that's God opening a door for you in love to share His truth regarding what it is they're talking about. And God's Word has truth for every season, for every important issue of life. God has truth for you and I to be able to share when people's patterns of reality and expectation are broken. Now you say, well, wait a minute, Pastor Chad, I've been maybe a believer for years and saying that God opens doors and I, I, I haven't seen it. Well, maybe that's the key. We've not seen it. Why do you and I at times, what's an obstacle for us seeing an open door? The first obstacle I want to mention 
as we conclude today is your view of work. Notice we said that followers of Jesus learn in our normal routines as we go about our normal scheduled day, learn to see God opening doors. Well, guess what most of us, our normal routine is? It's work. And your view of work can be an obstacle of actually seeing the doors that God's opening and has been opening. Because listen, when it comes to view of work, we have to deal with the view of who sent you there. Listen, if you think you sent yourself to work there, then you will be there to work for your own will and yourself. If you think your boss hired you to work there, then you will be there to work for the will of your boss. But if you think God sent you there, then you will be there to do God's will. See, listen, Jesus in John 4, 34, he teaches this. He says, whoever sent you is whose will you seek to do. And if you understand and believe that God sent you where you're at, then you're there living daily at your work with these glasses on. Prayerfully, attentively, watching and waiting for God to open a door. And you're ready to see when patterns of people's expectation are broken to share God's truth and love. Secondly, another obstacle is what's called the curse of knowledge. The brothers Chip and Dan Heath say, once we know something, we find it hard to imagine what it was like not to know it. A a certain curse sort of comes with knowledge. That once you know something, it becomes difficult to remember what your experience was before you knew that. Knew that. Meaning the more we know, the harder it can be to communicate to people. We become experts when we know stuff. And when we know more stuff, and we in a sense become an expert, say I'm not an expert, well listen, if you read 10 books in a subject compared to the average American, you're an expert. Because the majority of average Americans don't read any book after they graduate from high school. So if you read 10 in one area... Compared to the average American, you're an expert in that area. You have more knowledge. And it's hard to remember in that area that you've studied what it was like when you didn't know those things. Which makes it at times harder for us to communicate to people. Listen, for those of us that are followers of Jesus, who are now an expert and experience His mercy, experiencing His faithfulness, experiencing that when we're down, there's still a hope. That when we go through things, there's a peace that surpasses all understanding. That there's a joy that can sustain us even when the circumstances of life aren't happy. That we are vulnerable to forget what it was like when we didn't know our purpose. When we didn't know that God would forgive us and hadn't experienced that forgiveness. It becomes harder for us to remember our experience when we didn't have access and experience His peace and His joy. So we have to watch the obstacle of the curse of knowledge. To ask the Holy Spirit to remind you, to remind you what it was like when You used to sit in your room alone and say, why am I here? What's my purpose? Why am I going through what I'm going through? Why do I exist? Why did this happen? 
that don't allow the knowledge that we have of God's Word to push us into an extreme of another biblical error. Watch this. Because patterns of the mind can lock us into just thinking about things with our mind and forgetting we're not called to just love God with our mind. We're called to love Him also with our heart. And once we get knowledge of certain patterns, the enemy loves to push us to the extreme and we become vulnerable of not having empathy to remember what it was like when we didn't have that knowledge. We didn't have that knowledge. I want to give, come on Gigi, two calls and challenges to our community. I learned of an organization that takes in homeless men who are willing to be rehabilitated. And the men that they take in, every homeless man who enters the program is matched with a mentor who two years before was in the same situation. And as I read that, that phrase, match with the mentor, jumped out to me. Because God's still got a design, I'm certain of it. That in His kingdom, mentoring is one of the primary methods for people to grow and learn to impart the gospel and live out the gospel through their life. And I, and I couldn't help but think how going through growth phases takes almost two years. And it hit me, what if those that have finished growth phases, if, if they match themselves with someone who was entering and starting growth phases and foundation phase. How could the Holy Spirit use someone who finished growth phases to be an instrument to serve the faith and the process of one who's starting growth phases? Because listen, the phases of spiritual development that God leads all His children through are the same regardless of life circumstances, life seasons, and individual variables that you and I go through. God is working in all of our lives as His children to some main purposes. How could you who have finished being matched with someone who has started accelerate and serve a person in the process? You know what it's like once you start something, how the enemy comes to hit you and distract you to keep you from finishing it. What God led you to start. You know what it's like to, once you get the word sown in your heart, for the devil, because of the word's sake, to create tribulation and persecution, to try to distract you, to hold fast to that word until it leads to fruitfulness in your life. What if, what if you're a match with the mentor? I read about a newspaper in the town, come on, Ben, of around 14,000 residents in North Carolina. It has the highest penetration percentage of any newspaper in the United States of America. Now, if you're not familiar what a penetration percentage means, it means the percent of residents who buy the paper in the area of where the paper is published. This newspaper has a penetration percentage rate in their community of 112%. What does that mean? That means either some households are buying multiple papers because they don't want to share. If you're married at times, you, you get that. So they each want their own paper. Or it means some people in neighboring cities is buying that city's paper. But 112%. This isn't a nude newspaper either. 
It began in 1950 by a man named Hoover Adams. Not to be confused with any Adams in the presidency. And Hoover Adams believed that newspapers should obsessively, obsessively focus on its own local community. In fact, he said, all of us know that the main reason anybody reads a local newspaper is for local names and pictures. That's the one thing we can do better than anybody else, and that's the thing our readers can't get anywhere else. He came to be known for when when the workers at the newspaper said what stories we should run and which ones should, he would just say names, names, and names. And I thought about us as a community of followers of Jesus. How God's opened the door right across the street. We own five acres. And how there's about 180, I think, households that have to go through the property that God enabled us to buy. 180 homes. And I thought about names, more names, and more names. That we might not be able to do a lot of things and we might not be able to do what a lot of other churches could do, but what if as a community we did what we could do best right there locally in those homes on Springfield Drive where we're going to build a building what if we knew every name of every person in every household right in that neighborhood why because every name is a person and every person has a story to tell and every story told needs the redemption of the greatest story of all God sending his son Jesus Christ to save them from their sin from the effects of their sin and from the effects of those that sinned against them. What if as a community, we said we can't save the world, but by God, we're going to know the names, names, and names of every person in every household right there where God's planning us, where we're going to have that new building right across the street. What could God do? Hallelujah. See, listen to me. God has opened a door. The Spirit of God broke the natural patterns that humans had come to accept as reality. That there was just a time to be born and a time to die. But God, through the Spirit of God, broke the pattern through Jesus. And Jesus died and they thought, oh, it was just like all the other patterns. Death happened and that was the end. But no, God raised him from the dead three days later and he broke a pattern of humans that they had come to expect. Jesus, in the days of his ministry, went upon the earth and he broke patterns that humans had come to believe and expect. That once you had leprosy, you would always have leprosy. And he loosed and healed and set them free. That once you were guilty and condemned by the law of Moses, there was no mercy available. He broke the pattern and he said, Woman, go and sin no more. I condemn you neither. That things that had been lost, where money had been taken, where people have held you back, he had fish, fine, lost gold to pay. Taxes that were demanded but weren't necessary. He broke pattern after pattern. 
the Spirit of God right now is moving to break patterns in the lives of people so that they can be open to you and I seeing that God has just opened the door to share the gospel to them. Why? Because listen, patterns have to be broken for people to really be conscious and aware. If not, patterns just make people sort of go through life like you going through your shower forgetting if you washed your hair or not. When the Spirit of God breaks a pattern, there is a heart that's open to hear that, listen, Jesus is God's answer for right what has just happened. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.